Storm of Comedy Game Design Podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Travis Scott and with me as always is Ben Slinger. I am and we also have a special guest this week. Welcome Jono Peck from Cop the New Comedy Rewind Podcast on 8-Bit amongst other podcasts. Putting in work, uh, some some basketball podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, that's it. dreams. I'm all over the place these days. It's It's good to be busy. Yeah, but uh, thank you for having me. It's very good to be a special guest. I like being special. Yeah. Mum always said I was special. (laughs) Now I am. If you can't trust her. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I think uh, we will play some click bitch this week. Uh, Trevor, no, I'll I'll explain uh, (laughs) what this game is. Oh, boy. Okay, so look – I just had a new baby this week, so you got to cut me some slack. Congrats again. Click Pitch is a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us, and on the count of three, two, one, click, we'll each get a new word, three words this week in this case, uh, and we will put those words together into some sort of game design mash, and uh, out will come delicious game patties. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fry them up, see how they taste. Sounds good to me. Yeah, throw them oh, that's always fun coming up with new metaphors. Yep. So let's uh, let's jump in. I think three, two, one, click, click. Ooh, okay. Who wants I to go first? Minor. I got minor. M I N E R. I was going to say. I got bug. And I've got Ooh. cheating. Okay, cheating bug minor. <laughs> hmm. What sort of bugs mine? Ants, perhaps. I've just instantly thought of the of like Hollow Knight and those guys with the little helmets in the mines. Oh, oh the yeah, bugs. Yep. But we don't have yep. to go directly down the exact same path <laughs> as them. But yeah, I guess ants and uh, termites yeah, and things. They're all uh, so. I've just, I like a. Yep. Go. Okay. I was I was just gonna say uh, I, I like a a revamped version of like Sim Ant. With some with some better features, some modern modern kind of uh, gameplay there. Yep, um, some romance mechanics maybe. <laughs> you got a romance, romance yeah. Romance the queen. Is this with <laughs> is this where the cheating comes in? Yeah, there's like relationship mechanics. Maybe you have That's to. Where I was heading. You have to like <laughs> cheat your way to the top of the you know the hierarchy. It's like a swindle. Oh, it's so like a like, swindle. Ants are just inherently. Uh, Cheaters, they don't, they're, not, they're not into monogamy. Mm. I mean, there are like a million of them in an anthill or whatever, and there's only <laughs> one queen, so it's kind of hard to <laughs> to keep that that long term relationship. What if going? it was like it's dirty rotten scoundrels, but yeah. on like a larger scale? <laughs> I was thinking like the storylines from like Grand Theft Auto, but as as ants, and it's instead of like trying to get the money to be rich, it's you're trying to take over the mine. You're trying to work your way up to the top, so you have to lie, cheat, and steal your way. You know, making deals with uh, land developers and all that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> build a build yeah, a we've casino. We've got this whole area. We've got this whole. Yeah, that's it. We've got this whole area. You know, cordoned off. We're going to put in an ant. <laughs> I'm sort of picturing it like the earlier um, Grand Theft Auto games where, like, you have an initial area that you can sort of hang out in and then it gradually opens up Mm. um, as the mine gets bigger. Yeah, so are we set, like, is most of this literally set within the anthill or is the anthill kind of one section and you go out out into the wider world? 
what what is this open world? Yeah, I don't know enough about the infrastructure of ant mines colonies, colonies yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, it'd be good if you could maybe fraternize with the bees, and then you know they can take you off to their colony. Or are they or are they like your mounts? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like you fly the bees? They're off. You have to hijack a they're bee. Flying they're off flying ants. Yeah. I mean, I know, but a lot of them can't fly. <laughs> And so they have to buddy up with a bee, a bee buddy. Um, I, I think, I think I do like that idea. Um, I think you can have some like uh, different outfits for for the bees, so you can make them look like wasps. Um, they're still bees, but they're but they look like wasps. So um, yeah, other species are afraid just kind of, of cinch their cinch their middle, so they get like a, a skinnier abdomen. Yep, it's actually a really. Like bees wanting to look like wasps, it's a it's a sort of a severe case of body dysmorphia. Actually, it's kind of sad, <laughs> but yeah, you know. it's the life. It's the life of an ant. Yeah. Uh, so, what I was sort of looking at is in the in the open world part that sort of opens up. I'm thinking in the second act because you want to start off, you know, kind of small and contained and learning all the um all the tricks and the mechanics. Yeah, all the mechanics and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, well, is it is it that you, is the first act just in the the colony then? Like yeah, in the anthill, mm. and then it opens up to the outside. You reach the yeah. top and and, break and you're like, through. whoa! Maybe you get, you can get like banished from the the ant colony, and then things open up. Like, a yeah, either, game. either that or I was thinking you kind of either that. Yeah, I I, I had a I had an idea of, of Fallout like that, exploring a new space. But I was thinking either that or you're on the front line of like their you're a scout party looking to mm. to co- like to find a new a place for a new colony. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and so you've been you know you've been digging underground for for days and days, and then you finally break through, and it's this virgin land that your colony has has no idea about. And yeah, then you're meeting meeting the inhabitants and and kind of making your way. It's like a like a it's the new frontier mm. you know, for your colony. And you have to cheat them out of their land rights. Ooh, that's getting. Oh, cool. yeah, you suck getting political, yeah. for sure. Just come in and colonize. Yeah. I mean, they're ants. That's what yeah. they do. So, so I think um, one of the things is food is getting a little bit scarce. So so that's the reason why you're sort of going out. Mm. Uh, you can head into the house to, to basically find a big store of sugar. Um, <laughs> and you know how you end up getting like the trail of ants going to and from. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, is this that you've broken into like a new backyard or something from from your previous, you know, or, or is it that this is the first time you've been near a house, perhaps? Like your previous colony was in a vacant lot, and I'm kind of getting an idea of of like this almost starts out like a Fallout game that you know you sort of see the birth and and you know you're sort of in the vault at the start, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then when yeah. you break out, like. You know, it, it has there, that, that same sort of fallout idea of- There are some good parallels yep. there, for sure. And and again, also being like the first of your colony. Like, I, I like the idea that you send messages back and forth through the, through the tunnels back to your main colony mm. to sort of let them know what's going on. And it's like, you know, it's like the letters being sent back from the front line of the war or whatever, or, <laughs> you know, back, back to England from Australia or something or India or- wherever when the English were colonized. Yeah. I think the the life of the ant is interesting enough to make for some for, for some cool mechanics, you know, whether it's combat, ant combat, 
pincers, you know, exoskeletons. Totally. I mean, you've got four hand slots if we're going for an yeah. RPG. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's, like, the way they communicate with each other as well. That could be interesting. Yeah, well, actually, there's some cool stuff you could do there with, yeah, like laying down pheromone trails. Mm. Because, and particularly with, like, quests and things, right? Like, you come across a strange pheromone trail and, you, you know, you translate a section of it. <laughs> you just, you, you know that there's something interesting in this direction. And so that's a new quest marker is, like, follow this ant trail, this pheromone trail, and see, see what's going to happen. Mm. It's just, you know, some sort of little side quest yeah. event at the end. Lots of pressing that button to get the sense uh, uh, icons to appear on the screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah, the witcher exactly. senses. It's like detective yeah, mode yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining very similar to, you know, the Arkham Asylum sort of, sort of views that come down over the world. Yeah. Or like, because, a, or like a pulse outwards. Yeah. I'm thinking because ants, um, you know, they live underground for, you know, the most of their lives. Going out above ground during the daylight is is extremely blinding to them at first. Mm. So you have to like have well, yeah. almost like ant sunglasses on. Day, day night cycle, <laughs> yeah, like dying light. Well, I do like yeah, I I do definitely like the idea of like gear and stuff as well to yeah let you go out during the day because you know there's there's certain people you might need to talk to or certain missions that can only be done in the sunlight and or almost a little bit of. Um, was a dying mm, light yeah. where if you go out at night time, you know, it's going to be vastly more dangerous. This is just- The opposite. Like that. It's the opposite, but you've got certain times of day that you can still go. It's just going to be really a lot more- More well, What you've got to be really careful of is they've got like a wind chime on, on like the, um, on the house. And if the sun is at the right position, like- uh, the prism just, you know, focuses a, a strong beam of light straight down. <laughs> yeah, look out, for, look out for magnifying glasses, echidnas. Yep. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Lots of predators. Yeah, I do. I, 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 like, <laughs> I like the idea that they've got some sort of mythology around the burning, <laughs> you know, the burning yeah. beam that happens at a certain time on a sunny day. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, it's like shining through. There's like an old Coke bottle, glass Coke bottle, or something that uh, that's sticking out of the ground, and it just focuses the light. Yeah, and what you got to be really careful of, you know, you know those sort of searchlight things in in like um, Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker and a few other other games. Basically, if the wind blows on that prism, you know it's gonna <laughs> <laughs> like it just move, moves it around, move it around quite a bit. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that because of the the size of the ants, and you know how, when whenever we see um like giants in in movies and that sort of stuff, how giants move a lot slower because time actually yeah. moves somewhat faster for for the smaller creatures. I think yeah, that happens yeah, here in that like gives it that sense of scale. It gives a sense of scale of you see people walking; they're walking extremely slowly. <laughs> for sure, I I wonder if there's any sort of way. Like, can you? Can you get onto them? Is there some mission where you have to like climb up? Shadow of the, the Colossus style. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're a bull ant, as your as your um, class, class yeah. being chose at the start. Oh god, choose classes. Fire yeah. ants, that's bull amazing. ants, flying ants. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's ants. it. Can you choose even within <laughs> your like within your? I guess race. It just sort of then changes. You have, then you have the classes of like the worker and the yep. flying yeah. ant and the 
breeder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining going out and picking up these breadcrumbs that are like this, you know, double the size of you sort of thing. And you just. Oh, God, the like fetch quests are horrible. <laughs> 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 Although if you if you manage to maybe you have to like recruit other ants to create you know the, the conveyor line mm, the bridge and all that sort of stuff yeah and so and so your fetch quest is just like all right you hundred ants follow me and then you pick you pick up the breadcrumb and you hand it to the next ant and you just watch it go all the way down the line yeah I think and then your quest is I done. think there's a meta game of world building and mini games like that where you can make sure that the colony is building out and oh you can set up like trade routes yeah yeah between, <laughs> between the different colonies and it's just a line of ants yeah you you know how in um in assassin's creed how sometimes you can send out like parties to do missions for you yeah 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 that's what you can do here that once you once you go discover something then you can set up a convoy sort of thing happening between this this area and depending on you know how risky it is depends on the success rate and and whether mm-hmm. whether there's antrid or anything like that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like a really explosive like cover art, and it's like the ant, but he looks kind of like the guy from PUBG, and he, he's got like a grappling hook <laughs> and maybe <laughs> yes. some body armor. This fucking hardcore oh, I love ant it. RPG. Ant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I really like that idea of of having some sort of colony man- management in the late game. You know, kind of in the same way Fallout Four had your base building stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, it's that sort of thing. You can kind of expand your colony out in, in different directions. You can send out your missions to make sure you've got enough food. Uh, and, and you can choose maybe to go along on those missions to get some kind of, you know, back to the, the first-person Fallout-style shooting and to, to maybe alter uh, the probability of of, of that yeah. mission being successful. So, it's uh, almost like Fallout from the perspective of, of the ants, those yeah, mutant totally. ants. <laughs> That's as far as I got in Fallout 2. That's really yep. cool. I, I, I like that idea. I actually thought of before, but it doesn't kind of work now, but Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we've got any good puns in there for Fallout. Um, any other good survival kind of RPGs? Yeah, I don't know. Waste, wasteland. Mm, wasteland? Ant? No, that's not good. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one, click. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, I like that. It's actually, that could be a really cool, uh, cool setting. I'd play it. I'd play it. Fairness. I've got managing. <laughs> Bob sledding. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. It's cool running. So I guess video game. cool running. Yeah. <laughs> Except you're, you're, you're John so you Candy. You have to. You I was like, about to say you play that. You play John Candy, yeah. Yeah. Before you said bobsledding, I was like, okay, is it going to be a, like a god sim? But no, bobsledding. <laughs> so, yeah, are you trying to rec- like? Yeah, is this kind of John Candy style? You trying to like recruit hmm. a team? I mean, I don't think you have to go to. Um, was it Jamaican? The Jamaican bobsledding bob yeah. team? Yes, it was. Yeah, and. He- John Candy's character was actually disgraced because he cheated in his own bobsledding career. So fairness, that's you know, right. that's that's a, a big mm-hmm. thing of big it's part a of redemption it. arc. Yeah. Yep. All right. So are we finding the meat of this in the actual sort of narrative around? 
building up this team as opposed to, you know, the moment by moment I'm controlling a bobsled <laughs> gameplay. <laughs> maybe it's more of, maybe you don't even control the bobsled. Maybe it's more of a, you know, you, you build, you put your team up and uh, it is more of this management sim and depending on your team, you know, and the probability and their different skills, you, you can watch it play out, but you don't really have direct control. Yeah, I, I like the idea of it It having uh, as part of, like, the intro that it shows the John Candy character cheating and, and you know, getting disgraced and getting thrown out of out of his country off the bobsledding team. And then he goes, finds this, you know, down and out sort of team that you have to then sort of manage and, and go through and you, you sort of see the parallels between what happened to you early on and then what ha- what happens to this team when they actually do it fair. So is it like an adventure game or like a yeah. dialogue heavy? An adventure game slash yeah. management game, mm. sort of like combining yeah. the two. Yeah, almost like a whatever, like football manager or whatever. I've never <laughs> actually played these games, but the general idea of it, but going more down that narrative of, yeah, like you, you have relationships with these team members. Do you... Given that, though, is there a pool of team members that you might get, like, randomly assigned mm. or that you can, like, draft or something? Uh, or are you stuck with, you know, four or five or whatever it is and you just have to train them up in the way that you think will win? I don't know. I think it almost needs a bit more. Like, it needs – I'm thinking, like, in Persona where <laughs> essentially you're uh, trying to manage, you know, your lives as teenagers, but then there's this – supernatural element where you're going into a fantasy world to change their like attitudes or their 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 other selves like their other dimension selves and it has a reflection in the real world so i wonder if as like them you're managing your john candy there's some whether it's supernatural or not there's a way that you have to like i don't know reach out to each individual person on your team and have their own little kind of loyalty quest or something like that yeah yeah some way that it's uh to get the good ending like whether it's through the training or through just just yeah like little vignettes with each character okay i'm so seeing undertale right now (laughs) just though undertale you know how you have those little mini games that you have to do Um, yeah so i'm so seeing that sort of thing like it's almost like a a reaction a boss fight yeah Sort of thing, and if you do bad at that, then you know you lose their respect, sort of thing, and you turn them more towards cheating. I guess it depends how much down the management track we want to go, where you know the decisions you make really affect the outcome of the actual events that they're competing in, because obviously that gets trickier to to kind of then weave the narrative through that. I wonder if it's almost a bit of. This this is going a little bit different, but almost a bit of like FTL, um, like a roguelike, where you've got these different events at different times. You get you start off with you know a random selection of of dodgy bobsledders <laughs> who may or may not have done it before, uh, and maybe they kind of they might even feel different archetypes. Like maybe there is someone who's actually quite experienced, but they've been disgraced in some way. Or there's the person, you know, the complete green newbie, or there's the, you know, the, the person who's sort of in, in the middle of their career but not really feeling it anymore, and they're they're a bit of a drunk. Or, <laughs> I, I don't know, like different yeah. aspects to each character that then 
yeah, as you like in the FTL sort of thing, maybe you've got a series of steps leading up to each event, and that could be like a little mini game, like a training thing, or it could be just a conversation tree where you've got different options and the outcomes, but the outcomes will change the stats of your players, both like how good they are at bobsledding and what they are feeling about the team and you. And eventually, you you know, you get to, if, your goal is to get to the Olympics. Uh, and maybe you don't make it. Like maybe the team falls apart because, like in a roguelike, you know, you're not always going to make and have a successful run. But perhaps you unlock, you know, different types of characters or different options within the conversation trees or something. Hmm. Yeah, I like the a four year cycle of the Olympic Games, the Winter Olympic Games, every four years. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So maybe that's your, you've started, each game starts like just after the end of the last Winter Olympics and you've got those four years to, you know, and you've got, you've got events in between that. You've got like local events or smaller Mm. events than the Olympics that you can, and that's sort of your benchmark each, maybe each year or something, you've got one or two major events and you could just fail it. Like you could just fail that event and you're going to have a huge setback. And that means you might not even make it to the Olympics unless you kind of, you know, do some, some different tactics to pull it off. And maybe there is the option to cheat. Like maybe that could be an interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and just because if you are playing this character who's cheated in the past, it's sort of, do you do that again? Like if you're, if it's looking like you're, Chances of getting into the Olympics aren't high. Do you try to bribe someone? Do you, try, you know, you can have sort of under underhanded uh, techniques mm. as well. Yeah, I think they in the movie. It's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, I think they weighted the bobsled or something. That that was the cheating that right. John Candy. Yeah, did. yeah, yeah. So yeah, you could just that that those sorts of things could be an option. I don't know why, but I keep on getting the this vision of of like these secret missions that you can go on that um, you're sort of like trying to infiltrate something to like do some sort of spy work. But it just so happens that in these missions, there happens to also be like a bobsled tube that you can sort of travel from one area <laughs> to another really quickly as like an escape sort of thing. <laughs> like- so that's just like, I mean, that could be one of the little mini game vignettes or something that shows up. Yeah. It's like yep. applying your specific sport talent to the yeah. real world. Yeah. The CAA approaches you and, you know, there are some files <laughs> in a very long icy tube that they need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm thinking <laughs> that also yeah. that when you do find these things, there's another long icy tube that you can get into and there's a bobsled-like device waiting for you to as a getaway vehicle. As a getaway <laughs> Back up the tube, but you've got a rocket on now. <laughs> oh god! All right, I think I think we've we've taken that as far as it can go. Yeah. Yep. Three to one click. Away. Mortar. Yes, science. <laughs> what science? It's just science. Okay. It's a breaking, I was, I was breaking bad. The, um, yeah. Breaking bad thing. Oh. Right. So got away uh, mortar. John, is yours way like W E I? No, like A W A Y. Ah, uh, uh, like away. going away, like home oh, and away. away. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Now, mortar. Okay. Since we've got science, mortar leans me towards like a mortar and pestle, like like grinding Mm. spices or or ingredients. Well, I I was sort of taking it to more of a, um, like I kind of heard home and away and I immediately (laughs) thought of of like it's the end of like World War II or something like that. And I forget what what the bay that they've summer, summer bay, bay yeah. summer bay's just been mortared by, <laughs> by like the Japanese or something like that. Well, or or <laughs> yeah, it's the war between Home and Away and Neighbours. <laughs> Aaron's Borough has has called out war, all that yeah. war on um, all that war on Summer Bay on Summer Bay, even though they're nowhere near each other. And um, <laughs> that's so why they're using mortars. Aaron's Borough has tr- <laughs> has you know set up a, a mortar thing, and now. Um, Summer Bay are going at at um, Ramsey Street or Aaronsboro yeah. with science. Yeah, like chemical warfare. <laughs> <laughs> Send in Tony. He's <laughs> a, it's a marvel of science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think if we take away the home and away element and just start again. Uh, yes, I think we should. <laughs> That's probably wise. We could look at, uh, just, I don't know. The, it, the it's mortar a good pe- visual. Yeah, it is. But the mortar and pestle thing interests me, I think. Yes. It could almost be like some kind of uh, chemical drug, like lab type thing. Yeah. And then away is like, just, you know, your, I don't know, shipping <laughs> away. I'm feeling like, like it's maybe in VR. Um, just because, uh, you know, mixing and, mm. and grabbing different ingredients and, and grinding, grinding them up yep. would uh-huh. feel really good in that in that space. It could be like surgeon simulator, but <laughs> you're making chemicals and drugs. Yeah, well, maybe because maybe you're playing like a, uh, what, what would you call it? Like a, in the medi- like a medieval doctor. Oh, okay. And so all of your cures are <laughs> just like natural seeds and plants mm. or or, and this like a thing. bat's wing and yeah. a goat's eye. Yeah, and I don't know if you go, like, magic or if you just go, but it's, like, you're having to, you're having to, like, match up the, what do they call them, the, um, the different body vapors or whatever. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> there was a word for it. Like, one was, like, bile, blood, something else. <laughs> And that was their. That was how they figured out how to fix things. Yeah, yeah. They've talked about it on Sawbones quite a lot. I'm trying to think. Yeah, um, the humors. Yes. There you go. So you have to like balance the humors. Here you go: blood, yellow bile, black bile, and phlegm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so we're talking about like a, a herbal apothecary. Uh, what is it? Apocalypse? Yeah. I don't know how to Apo- pronounce it. Apothecary. Apothecary. Apothe- yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so maybe you don't go full on, like, humorism, but it, it's along those lines of this isn't modern medicine. Hmm. But you're trying to, you're trying to solve, you know, p- patients come in and you have to do something to diagnose them. Uh, and maybe you've got, like, a little reference manual or something. And, it's, and it's, again, it's all very simple things. It's like, oh, you, you put a le- leech on them and then squeeze the leech out and see what color the blood is. Mm. <laughs> you know, if, if, it's, if it's black, then you need, you're going to have to apply 
you know, this. And so that means, okay, look on my shelf of all these, like, you know, jars and, and vials of different things. It's like, all right, I need to measure this out and put this in. And, and there's going to be a time pressure, of course, to, you know, depending on how sick this person yeah. is. Did you guys watch the Castlevania series on Netflix? Uh, I've only I seen a couple of episodes. Yeah. Anyway, so there's a character that she's this type of, of doctor, basically. But all the right. religious leaders think it's witchcraft, essentially, that she's making all these medicines and curing people. So they, like, basically destroy her lab or her her whatever you call it. Uh, so, yeah, you can have, like, a, a time limit where you have to do all this stuff and maybe hide everything away before you're discovered or... Something like that. Yeah, or even or even just like an overarching narrative yeah. of, of you know, you're an enemy of the state, basically. You're you're against the the, the state religion and and so you need to maybe you need to move around. Maybe the, then you have some some missions where, you know, you don't have all your ingredients because you've had to pack up your whole um your whole lab yeah. and, and you're just working out of your suitcase. Yeah. You might have to scavenge some of them from the forest even. There could be that like yeah, subnautica yeah, yeah. level of like, exploration where you got to like go and find all the materials, like that kind of survival element. That's a that's changing it a bit that's more. An, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting idea though, because then you could do things like kind of like in The Witcher, where you, a big part of that is mixing up potions mm, yeah. and things uh, to to use in combat. Like you, you if you're going to go into combat, you want to prepare and you want to make sure you've got enough of the the potions and stuff. And so it could be a bit of that. There's a that there's a bit of combat. There's a bit of uh, scavenging mm. and crafting, and and then also you can you know maybe you go, but you, you go in town to town, and when you go into a town, then you you know you you use your services. You give your services as a doctor uh, to to these people, and and that's how you make him money. Yes, yes, and like Breath of the Wild, a big part of that was making random potions and mixing things together to see what comes out. So it could be a bit of ex- yep. experimentation and trying to improve recipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I like the idea of, of filling up your recipe book as yep. well. Like you find new recipes uh, for new curatives and, and different salves and potions. Yeah, it kind of happened in um, in Skyrim as well like that, that mm. you could find like a whole heap of different ingredients out there and each ingredient would have like four different um, properties that it that it could basically have, and you you mix them in in the right way, and you would maybe get a more powerful healing potion or a more powerful, yeah, you know, mm. spider's poison yeah. or something like that. You could bring it depends how far you want to go. You could bring alchemy and stuff into it as well. Yeah, yeah. Turn lead into yeah, gold. So like, and- yeah. <laughs> Well, because I'm thinking, I was just thinking about the combat because I love the idea of this really focusing around the crafting and the fact that you are, you know, a, a doctor of sorts, a healer. Mm. Um, but I think the combat comes around. Oh well, I need the gallbladder of a, you know, a badger, <laughs> <laughs> a honey badger, just to be yeah. <laughs> to go down that path. Um, <laughs> And so you need to, you know, you're not a fighter, but you've got, you know, you've got a, some weapons. Maybe you can either, you can choose like ranged weapons or you can, you've got a couple of daggers or something that, but then again, you're a, you're a scientist. And so the way that you defeat them is you, you prepare, you know, you, you 
put poison on your blade um, because you've got the recipe for a poison that will kill in, you know, in two minutes after it gets into the bloodstream. And so as long as you hit him with that and then don't die for two <laughs> minutes, you're going to get them. <laughs> and so it's a bit more strategic yeah. in that way than just brute forcing your way and killing 30 badgers. Two minutes is a long yeah. time in a video game. <laughs> you know, yeah. only five of which drop their gallbladder for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what I'm sort of thinking about is can you have some sort of I know it probably didn't exist in this time, but Hippocratic Oath that it's all about do no harm to humans. Yeah. So- Right. Are there monsters? Monsters and badgers and all that sort of stuff, they're fair game, but, yeah. you know, any human combatants, I'm picturing a, a do no harm sort of thing would be would be good. Now, it could be a Batman-style do no harm that, you know, just because uh, someone else is going to hurt- hurt this person doesn't mean that you got to stop them. Mm. Mm. Well, Hipp- Hippocrates was Hippocrates lived um, nearly 2,500 years ago, so it's possible. I think we can safely say there's probably some sort of Hippocratic oath yep. if we want to set it. I was going to say, I, I like period. the idea of like a vampire or someone coming to you and you being like, Ooh, Ooh, does it fall under the oath or not? Because they're technically not <laughs> yeah. human, but they're reaching yeah. out to me yeah. with human-like compassion. Well, and, and certainly if we go down this, this sort of fantasy route with, with monsters and creatures and stuff, which I like, I wonder if this oath is literally binding. Like, if you break it, you will have something bad happen yeah. to you or you'll be cursed yeah. or you'll well, die or whatever. Well, and what so I think it, it is- The stakes are high. It's not just your own kind of morals. What I think it is, it's actually a- uh, a hippogriffin orc no, oath. Uh, so, <laughs> a hippogriffic oath. <laughs> so um, basically, if you if you go against it, the hippogriffin uh, comes down and basically kills you. The, yeah. Mm. Or a, you turn into one. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then you have to rev- you have to reverse the yeah. effects. So you slowly yep. turn into a monster. It's kind of like a vampiric <laughs> curse, but if you if yeah. you. Um, <laughs> you can you can reverse it with garlic and yeah. <laughs> silver or whatever nightshade. <laughs> uh, that's really cool. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you could spend a lot of time in a game mm, like that, especially in VR. Learn, learning all the different recipes and exploring that world. Yep. Cool. Oh yeah, I, I'm all down for that. Three, two, one, click. Yeah, spattering. Rich supplying. So I thought of when I saw spattering, I thought of Dexter. Yeah. And like blood <laughs> spatter analysis. Okay. It's a good direction. But I don't know if. Okay. So what, where, where, I'm, where I'm sort of going with that then is um, you've caught this rich guy supplying drugs to, to like these high school teens. Mm. And so you're you're like a, a young Dexter who's now trying to plan the um the murder of this guy who's who's killing. I love that. Like the teens at the local high school. It's like Hitman, but instead of the Hitman, you're a serial killer <laughs> with a conscience. <laughs> yeah, and you're a teenager, and you're killing high school kids. <laughs> no, you're oh, not no, killing. You said that it was just. A, you're, right, you're, it's just dealing to high school kids. Yeah. yeah. So the rich guy is okay. dealing to the high school kids, and you're now trying to take out the um the kingpin who's um who's been okay. killing all your friends, mm. and that's what's turned you psychopathic. Yeah. I do like the idea of you being a teenager. Yep. 
That's cool. Okay, so you're a teenage sociopath, <laughs> and the first kill is this is this like low level dealer because you you know you realize that yeah that he's hurting your friends and you hunt him down, you kill him, and this gives you the idea of oh like that actually felt really good. Skin <laughs> <It's getting> dark. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure I want to jump in the head of a sociopathic, sociopathic serial killer. But. I mean, most most video games we're playing serial killers. It's true. It's <laughs> Nathan true. Drake. It's funny that on this show we actually tend away from a lot of the, the more violent interactions within games often, but, but we can head down this path. So, yeah, you mentioned Hitman. Is this, this is very much the like meticulously playing yeah. out your kill. I like the idea know. of it being more like, like less is more, where each kill is a, a big build up and you have to do a whole lot of research and like planning, almost in like that LA noir kind mm. of setup where you've got all these different cases and you have to gather evidence. And then it's at the end that it all culminates with the interrogation. But yes. in this, it's like picking the right spot to approach them. And they can like Hitman, there can be different ways to do it. But I think if, if you uh, kind of set a plan and, and try and carry it out, that's kind of the way that it needs to go. Yeah. I think a, a bit less improvisational than Hitman. Like obviously mm. in Hitman, you can just, once you, you know all the things that are happening in the level, you can really make a plan. But, I feel like this is a bit more researching over sort of multiple days, getting the the routes that they take, uh, the people that they talk to, the people they know, finding your kill room, deciding where that mm. is. And I like the idea of in that Dexter sense, you it's a it's sort of ritualistic. Yeah. Uh, in that you want this person to know why you're killing them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But but I think it would be good to not actually have control over the character when the when he does the killing. I think that's a little bit over the yeah. top. I think it's, mm. it's that's more probably about, fair. It's more about okay, you you've made the prey. Now you don't get to actually. Mm. You've caught the prey. You've interrogated, and now like it's going to sort of uh, yeah, we can fade be away. a bit more tasteful about that. You can it can be uh, one of those you know um, camera pans, and you see the blood spatter. That's where the spatter comes in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you need to be able to also prove that they're guilty as well. So there's that sense of investigation and uh, maybe even drawing a confession out of them. Mm. Yeah, and that's just your own sort of ethical yeah. side of things. And you could just do it like without doing that. Like you don't have to get them to confess, but maybe there's like a negative effect on you over time where you mm-hmm. struggle a bit more with your actions if you aren't like 110% positive that you did the right thing and maybe there's just a degrees of the goodness of your ending, like good ending, medium ending, yep. bad, bad yeah. ending. Well, and I like that idea of it getting uh, like as you go along each victim, it's a bit grayer. Yeah. So I think very early on you have direct evidence of this person, you know, specifically targeting young teens with with dangerous drugs that are cut with, you know, fucking whatever. <laughs> Toad's blood. To, yeah. um, and so, you know, it doesn't take much for you to realise, yeah, this person needs to die. But yeah, as you get as you go through the other kind of the other kind of missions, as it mm. were, you might have multiple suspects and you really have to get it right or 
the the circumstances around a particular a particular event are really grey and, and so you have to kind of suss that out and, and decide it did this person actually do something wrong? You know, or, or things like it really looks like at face value that this person is a you know is a murderer or whatever, but as you talk to them, you realize, oh, the the intent behind it means you know they're actually mm. Like even though they they ended up doing this horrible thing, it was this huge accident and sort of screw yeah. up, and that they don't actually deserve to die. And so I like that idea of even literally on the, that you might find this out in your kill room as you get the confession from them, and you have to then decide, oh shit, do I go ahead and mm. kill this? person? Well, they might say it wasn't me, or this person made me do it. Yeah, yeah, and depending on the other evidence you've gathered, you know that may or may not be plausible to. Mm. Yeah. Maybe you can have almost like a um, an Orwell sort of thing where you can connect up the evidence that you've got with with like testimony, and then if this contradicts what you've already got, then you know you, you it can, raises a red flag. Raises a red red flag, and then you may get um, get some more information about who who yeah. is actually to blame. But then yeah. you're, you're left with the whole thing of this guy may now he's seen your face. He may now actually yeah. Um, mm, tell someone yeah. else. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, I like that idea of it being, you know, having, I think mo- it's mostly narrative, but there's some systems-based mm. stuff, like in all, yeah. where, you know, depending on what evidence you find, either you get some sort of branching stuff or, yeah, like if you get the wrong person and then find out that info and let them go, all right, now, you know, a, a little meter in the background goes up of your suspicion is, is higher to certain people. Yeah, Heavy Rain did that really well where you had the, the the CIA agent with his files and you had to connect dots and have, yeah. have to, yeah. you had to have found the yeah. right evidence at the crime scenes to actually get specific scenes or a specific ending. And if, if you didn't yeah. have that evidence or if you didn't choose that right dialogue option to to get that information, then it just closes off a bunch of branching paths. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Detroit Become Human does mm, that yeah, a lot too. Yeah, love those styles. Uh, particularly with one of the characters. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I like that, that it's sort of – and, look, it, it even makes sense to be – to head down that sort of route almost. Like you, you mentioned L.A. Noir, which has some similarities mm. to to the um, Quantic Dream yeah. games in, in some ways. But just it's sort of slower-paced and each – yeah, each case is kind of its own – thing and you're building up that evidence and yeah it's sort of it would have different branches and and different potential endings that then whether just numerically or narratively affect the later cases sounds like a lot for a teenager to pull off he's precocious the boy wonder precocious sociopath <laughs> <laughs> Precociopath. All right, three, two, one, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Cave. No, I'm not going to use clitoris. Thank you, Brandon. We're doing it. <laughs> it's not going to That would be hard to ignore. I had right, as in alt-right or <laughs> left and right. As in what, sorry? Right. Oh, uh, right yeah, hand. In- yeah. Okay. <laughs> And I have Zenith. Zenith. Is in like yeah, peak, yeah. I guess. Like um, Apex, yeah. 
Yeah. So when I had right, I immediately just thought of like right wing, but then with pairing it up with Zenith, it could just be that someone is very virtuous. They're right, you know. Mm. Well, I wonder if we take this into an astronomical direction as well. Mm. Yeah. I, Something to do with, I do with like the that. planets or, you know, sci fi. Or even an. Even an astrological direction, if we want to give that any sort of credence, but you know, it's something to do around the positioning and the alignment of the planets. Yeah, I'm, as I'm getting- Mars reaches its zenith around the the sun. Yeah, I'm I'm picturing that like there's this mountain in this on this particular island in which you know a man walked up many years ago and and sort of stopped in a cave at the very top. And mm-hmm. sort of positioned himself as as like this sort of guy to be revered, like a guru. Yeah. So I'm thinking that you know he he talks of of the Mars zenith, and yeah. everyone thinks that he's right, except for you. And that's okay. Like, what was your so word? Is your he some sort of cave? Cave. Yeah. Okay. So is he some sort of prophet then? Like, is he predicting things or- I think he's predicting things and, and you've you've sort of- I like the idea of, you know, maybe going against that. Your character's going against, like, the, the typical um, sort of views of yeah. of your society. So, is this a world- is this, like, a, a more priv- primitive sort of civilization where, where this guy has sort of taken a leadership role? It's a little bit culty- and yeah. you're kind of trying to you're breaking out of that. You're the you're the rebellious one. Yeah, I don't think you have to say it's any particular race of people or anything like that. It can just be like no, a, no, no. a massive island and in a sea. Well, maybe this is one of those things where it's like the distant f- future after the the downfall of our civilization and things have reverted back to kind of primitive primitive forms and 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 isolated pockets of of people. And so this is, you know, this is this isolated. So maybe, maybe in the cave, there's there's some village. evidence of this. Yeah, well, that could be something you find out as the game goes along. But starting off, it's just oh, okay, you 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 explore this this sort of small town, and you know everybody talks about the cave lord. <laughs> it's, it sounds as, like Horizon as, Zero Dawn without the dinosaur robots and stuff, maybe. Yeah, well, that sort of thing of, yeah, in, in a way, certainly in, in how the, the kind of um, the tribes and things are structured there. But I think this is very much, uh, I keep thinking, is it um, The Giver? Is that the is that the one? Uh, there's like a book and a movie. Anyway, it, it's more that it's very much... They're very isolated. Like no one leaves and no one comes into this to this village. And for generations, it's just been, you know, the, these I don't know, five hundred people or whatever. Obviously, the population you know yep. goes up and down, but but it just means that they they have their their very specific beliefs about how the world works and what what is on the outside and that it's dangerous. You know, perhaps this guy. Or if it's been generations like this, this bloodline who of people, or, or, or maybe, or maybe each cave lord like finds the next cave lord and trains them up. 
and maybe you're sort of, and so then your role as the character is, is you're sort of unraveling this and you're the, the skeptic. Yep. Hmm. What's the game? Maybe by? you're the skeptic who's also been selected to be the next cave lord. Yes, I feel like that would be part of it. Either that or you know the person, like you're good friends with the person who's selected to be the next cave lord and yep. you're sort of using their access to to figure this out. Yeah. So gameplay I'm thinking I'm thinking third person action adventure with Yeah, with, with a some, bit of an adventure game bit. Yeah. Yeah, being being able to you know talk to people and 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 sort of you can do some fetch quests and that sort of stuff yeah. throughout, but you've also got you know some some actiony sort of things that actually have to happen. Almost a um, almost like a Legend of Zelda sort of sort of feel. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I think I think it's it's obviously pretty heavily narrative driven. Um, there's a lot of just yeah exploring the world to to get a sense of of the story and of this this uh, town and their beliefs and, and learning who this cave lord is and then yeah there could be some I guess it depends on how you do the action stuff I, I'm kind of picturing that the cave lord is almost like uh, say the Wizard of Oz that. He's almost got like this otherworldly sort of power that everyone sort of sees, but it's actually just technology that is- I think he's definitely hoarding technology or hoarding yep. knowledge of, you know, the before times. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> to, I'm just To take advantage of these people. I'm just imagining like this huge head that gets projected above <laughs> above the above the mountain sort of thing. Oh yeah, full on Wizard of Oz kind yep. of style. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I kinda like the narrative opportunities there yeah same any any other particular like gameplay elements that you you think need to need to come in look i think that pretty much i think yeah pretty much that sort of uh, action third person action adventure kind of deal would work there I'm, I'm not sure there's much that you'd obviously start finding things out and you start maybe getting to use you know, you get to the later game and you find the the cave lord's stash of yep. of old times technology. Kind of feels a bit um, like a fable game, if you if you remember. Yeah, oh, yeah. actually, I can see that. Interesting. Yeah. I love the. Just, um, just was yeah. thinking about the the way that you know it can all sort of work, and that just came to mind. I was trying to think of like a good twist, and uh, it reminded me of in Fallout New Vegas. Spoilers for a game that came out eight years ago when uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's obviously the, the big house, you know, Mr. House is the big kind of central villain and you, you find out that he's kind of an AI that's being operated by a very, very, very old man that's kind of on life support and just kind of hanging on to run this empire. Mm-hmm. So it could be that. Throughout, through all this technology, he's appearing to be this kind of all-powerful human, but he's actually just kind of barely hanging on and, you know, yeah. you have to decide yeah. what to yeah, do I kind of like him. the idea that maybe he broke his legs and, like, was never able to actually come down but found this technology up the top and is just sort of now sort of able to able to control the, um, mm. the people from up, up there, but he can't actually get down off the mountain. Well, and I guess it just depends on how uh, 
has this been going for many generations or or is this sort of just this one guy over you know, I don't know 60 years or something which is enough really it's enough for this to happen yeah and and he keeps on um like bringing bringing up uh well boys who have just sort of turned turned 18 to to come help him out basically do mm. bring him food and that sort of stuff but obviously yeah you you're like the latest of of a line of of these helpers oh i wonder if he's actually found years. some life extension extension technology yeah i was thinking sort of- yeah i was thinking that maybe in this world the life expectancy is only like you know 30 or 40 years and because mm, yep. he's been around for maybe 60 years or so, people are like, oh, he lives forever. Like, there's this kind of mythos or this kind of, yeah. you know, urban yeah. legend, and legend given about that him. he was sort of twin, the guy was 20 when he went up there, you know, they're not seeing that. They'd never think that this guy is the same guy mm. that was up there. So they think of him as a god. Yeah. Well, particularly if he managed to start projecting himself in different ways. Yeah. Well, and then maybe the story is actually that. Now he knows he's getting close to dying, and so he is looking for his first successor to basically carry on this charade mm-hmm. of of the the god, the cave lord, and yeah, that's presumably your character. Cool. Yeah, I guess you'd have to decide whether you do it or kind of teach everyone that they've been following some kind of ghost for the last. <laughs> yeah, I think lifetime. that would yeah. that would be your big. Yeah, that would be your big choice somewhere in the sort of third act. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you do you reveal all, or do you take your place as the Almighty Keyword? <laughs> 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 all right, let's let's do one one quick one more and uh, see how it goes. Yeah, three to one click. Okay, cartoon. A fear. I had fear. Yep, that uh, star. Fear, the fear star. <laughs> well, this gives us, I mean, that's good. That's wide open. Yep. I like the idea, obviously, of a cartoonish world. Yeah, I think a cartoonish world, almost like a Day of the Tentacle sort of sort of view, mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. sort of cartoony view. Star sort of says to me, otherworldly. Okay, yep. And then fear, well, that's like... Fear of, of the, the that the protagonist has to a um to an antagonist. Mm. Oh. Okay, still very broad. Yes, let's try <laughs> to narrow it down. So, are we talking? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Day of the Tentacle. Are we talking adventure game? Um, point click, or do we try to find some other sort of mechanics here? Could be a platformer where fear yeah. is a mechanic, much like uh, I guess anxiety and stuff was a big part of Celeste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that could be really interesting to come up with some ideas around that. Yeah, I I really really like that. I'm I'm just picturing almost um sort of like the oh what's it called Eternal Darkness sort of fear mechanics, but in a in a platformer sort of thing that um as you, as you go as you get close to like these near death sort of scenarios like. Your sanity gradually starts well, oh. starts breaking a little bit. 
Mm. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of how you, of certainly of how you kind of manifest that fear. Yeah. Um, but you, what you mentioned there, it made me think, uh, particularly with a platformer, you could really manipulate things like the distance between platforms. Um, and I don't know whether that changes based on, and I don't know. Again, I don't know if this is a, a me- gameplay mechanic or a just a narrative thing, but. You know, the, the areas that are blocked off uh, because this jump looks huge. It looks just, there's no way you can make this jump. Mm. Um, but as you kind of, I don't know, go through and, and stop being so afraid and you come back and it's just like, oh, I don't know what I was afraid of. Like, it's actually just yeah. completely doable jump. Was, and it's like physically changed on the screen. I was thinking like you could have a kind of a meter and it's adrenaline and you have to make your jumps before it reaches too high and it becomes fear. And then the fear starts to like make the screen fade into like black and becomes really hard to kind of navigate the platforms. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. way it's, it's kind of, uh, uh it's, it's kind of the, the enemy as well as a gameplay mechanic. And it's a, it's, it's a time thing as yeah. well. Cause I remember like in darkest dungeons, if you played that where, like the longer you're down in the dungeons, the the more mm-hmm. fear and anxiety and those things the the characters build up, and that starts to negatively impact their traits. So that could be a cool way to do it as a platformer. I do like the idea of a platformer where the the protagonist is afraid of heights. <laughs> 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 you make a big uh, and, jump. And could- <laughs> I'm picturing like Super Meat Boy, like Celeste, kind of crazy. Yeah, Twitch well, platformer again, with yeah. fear mechanics that if if you um if you kill kill your character, then the character is now going to be afraid of the screen that they're on and <laughs> want to take it more safely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like okay, yeah. There are a couple of things there. So the fear kind of building up and, and changing things again. I, I like that idea then of things physically changing in the space, reacting to that. Mm. So if you're too afraid when you try to make a jump. Maybe the platform that you're le- that you're heading for is is literally smaller. Like yeah. it's always a doable jump, but you have to be you have to have a more precise jump. Um, and and so there's so it gets harder a- the more that you fail. <laughs> so well, sort of because I don't think just failing on that screen is the only way that that'll happen. It's more as you you know if they're afraid of heights, right? And there's a whole section where th- there are a bunch of high jumps that need to be made or jumps while you're up high it it then allows you to all right well if you're super good at this game you just go and do it because yes they're going to be really difficult but you're amazing at this game and you that's that's sort of you pushing through the fear Mm. it's almost like you have your own fear as the player that manifests on the screen well that's it yeah i feel like that's that that's actually a kind of a, a good connection there between the player and the character and then to and then for everyone else, perhaps there are ways to whether you just take it more slowly or you know, you, you have ways to counter yeah, that fear I like that. in some way. It's almost like yeah, like a, a lesson in in dealing with anxiety and, and fear and that kind of thing. Mm. And it, it could be interesting if, yeah. if like the, the yeah. art style changes as well based on uh I guess the level oh, of fear cool. where things that are fairly just ordinary become suddenly kind of sinister. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And that actually could be a good, again, a good mechanic that, um, 
it sort of gives you an idea of of what this character is going to be afraid of. Like as you approach them, they sort of shift a bit and become yeah more sinister looking, and, and the colors change. And Ooh. <laughs> that's interesting. I like the idea. Yeah, so it of- starts out all mm. cartoony, but the more the more that you sort of the more that you sort of die on on a screen, it'll get grittier and grittier and grittier. Yeah. And you know, it's sort of almost yeah. like the spikes are, f- uh, are getting extra blood on them and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and <you're just> sort <laughs> of- <laughs> yeah, and the statues become like you know more ominous, and the sky that's like lightning in the distance, and yeah, yeah, totally. And then the more, and then the better that you're doing on a level, the 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 more that the adrenaline sort the of sun sh- the sunshine's sun yeah. shining and these butterflies and rainbows. Yeah, I'm picturing that if if you die too much on a on a screen, then you know it's sort of it's turning into like a hellscape sort of thing. That maybe there's there's something else that like a personification of your fear like appears on the screen, kind of like in um if you remember Bubble Bubble when you hadn't um killed all the enemies on the screen quick enough, then you'd get like this ghost that could not be killed that would appear on the screen. Yeah. Kind of like so, that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think I think we'd have to uh, just from a purely practical point of view, I, I think these two mechanics would have to be two different things. So I really do like that idea of a single screen that you keep failing on, getting fucking creepier and more sinister and and whatever. Because because I just love <laughs> I love the idea of someone who's just really having trouble on this one jump or whatever or this one maneuver, and they have to. You know, they go off and do something else to try a different level for a while and they come back and they just come on the screen just like, <laughs> like lightning, <laughs> ghosts, fucking creepy shit. But I think making that harder then, like you said, like the more you fail, the harder it gets. I don't think, I think that almost has to be a separate mechanic then. Yeah, that's like of, hard mode. Of the, yeah. Well, or, or just of like, yes, yes, those that that level of, of art, like the art style changing is a reflection on how difficult you found this level or whatever but the actual whole fear mechanic then is a little bit different of you know i'm kind of picturing it almost if you yeah if you like take too many high like jumps where the ground is and like x far below you or whatever in short succession then your fear is rising up and each of those jumps is getting harder because the the platforms are getting smaller Mm. or something that if you sit and wait between jumps like it slowly comes back down and your heart rate drops like it could be linked to your heart rate or something you know Something like that. It could be another direction you go in and I'm thinking like Rogue Legacy where you die and then it's like your your descendant and then they've got like a different fear, mm. different phobia. So what if it's heights, it might be oh, yeah, it might be change the way that the gameplay works versus I don't know, like water levels. Like I don't a particular know. Like, enemy yeah, type yeah, or, enemies yeah, or, or water or yeah. Having to having yeah, to cool, like though, if yeah. there's like a swinging mechanic or if there's a Double jump. Maybe they hate to do a double jump. <laughs> I'm picturing now that fear of double jump. one that's going to have like arachnophobia or something like that, and there's like spiders on the screen, and they just instantly goes into the hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. I, I do really like that that visual representation. The idea of that the level sort of changing around you, and yeah, whether whether you bring in that difficulty mechanic or not, I don't know, but. Um, that representation feels good, that connection mm. 
between the gameplay and the Yeah, and the I think the difficulty the thing works as long as there's a way to counteract it, whether it's like standing yeah. still for like 20 seconds or something like that. Yeah, and that's Deep an breathing. interesting... Or even yeah. three or four seconds because 20 seconds yeah. in a video game <laughs> yeah, yeah. is eternity. Yeah, <laughs> okay. you'd have to do so. Or maybe it's like a little mini game where you have to like mm. focus your breathing. But I mean, even- To really just like psych yourself yeah. up. Even like, yeah, standing still in those ty- types of games where you're failing time and time again, you want to just like rush through it. But it is, it's actually mm. beat it. You have to actually kind of calm yourself down and be like, okay, I need to be patient and careful and, and like- get through it and that's actually again like where the game gets harder as you fail more you and you relate to the fear of the character you can relate to them taking the time to just calm down a bit i think that would be a cool kind of like yeah i'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of yeah. seeing a a hold down the um the left trigger to breathe in let it go to breathe out and you mm. can sort of do it at a slow sort of pace you know uh because it's got the analog stick, well, the, mm. the analog feel to the trigger, then you can actually pull all the way in and <laughs> well, all and the way out. Well, and even use one of those visuals that they use to calm people with, like filling the balloon or whatever, or yep. expanding to you know one circle, expanding inside the other. Yeah, that's that's interesting to have that effect. Then how afraid they are in like the next section they come across that they know is gonna that their yep. character has a problem with. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm imagining like the speed running community of uh, uh, <laughs> like getting certain strats of of getting through it, and it's always sunny in in their sort of strats. But the normal person's playthrough is continual like, hellscapes all the way through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I feel like it'd almost be the the opposite, particularly if you go with that difficulty thing, because the speedrunners are going to be so good at it that they just are in a constant state of fear throughout the game, but they're good enough that they they just get through it anyway. Yeah. Mm. Whereas the the your regular player kind of has to slow down a bit and and, and smell the roses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. All right. Well, I think we will finish it up there for this week of Bitstorm. If you want to find us online, you can go to podchaser.com/bitstorm. Uh, all that, all of our links and socials and whatever uh, are all on there. Uh, and we are also part of the 8-Bit Collective, and this is a group of you know, like-minded podcasters, such as our friend here, John O'Pet, uh, <laughs> all doing uh, all doing their own podcasts, but but kind of helping each other out and, and you know being being friends. Mm. You can go now, John. Yeah. Uh, oh, should we talk about yeah. Comedy Rewind a bit? Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. So tell us certainly. tell us about Comedy Rewind. Yeah. So. These two gentlemen here with me right now were kind enough to come on as co-hosts or guests for an episode, which is uh, looking at Clerks. We just did this. It's a it's a rewatch comedy podcast, so we're looking at the great movies of the nineties, talking about whether they hold up, what we love about them, uh, some things that kind of make them products of their time and maybe would be different if they were made today. And Clerks certainly has a lot of those. I think we can agree and. We really had a yeah. good time talking about this movie that I think means a lot to to you guys, especially. Would you say? Oh, definitely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Big big part of our kind of late uh, late teenagehood. Mm. Yes, and, it, uh, and and continues to be. You know, 
an influence. Yeah. And I'm guessing like even being fans of Kevin Smith and his podcasting style is probably a bit of an influence on this show with the amount of kind of improvising that him and Scott Moe should do. Oh, certainly. Yeah. yeah. And yep. look, I think, I mean, I think Kevin Smith was, was probably the first podcast they ever listened to. Was for me. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's definitely a huge influence mm. on, on Bitstorm as well. That's cool. Yeah. So, if so, you yeah, want to- It was a lot of fun. If you want to hear that, hear that podcast, it's uh, it's up Comedy Rewind. It's on iTunes, Podchaser, and, and all the good podcast services. So check it out. And it is releasing every fortnight with a different comedy with different guests uh, or, or co-hosts from around the 8-Bit Collective and the rest of the internet as well. So look forward to that. It's definitely- I look uh, forward to what you're doing next because- yeah. That- didn't quite hear it, even though I probably listened to the episode already <laughs> and therefore would, would know what's coming next. Well, cl- so, we've, so we've done Happy Gilmore, Dumb and Dumber, Clerks with you guys, and up next is American Pie, Ooh. which very, uh, very, nice. very much a, a product of 1999, <laughs> celebrating its <laughs> 20th anniversary this year. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. And you can, sorry, catch me on Twitter and- Follow all my shows and stuff. I'm at Jono himself, and the links are always there. Yes, and I believe that you're going to be at PAX. I am indeed. I've got my credentials already, so I'm excited about uh, the possibilities. I've got another podcast putting in work, so I'm trying to already line up some interviews with whether it's devs or voice actors or whoever might be attending the conference, so that'll be a fun time as well. Fun. And how's the 8-bit Patreon going with that party that we want to go to? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we pushed it just to get Comedy Rewind made, so I think we might have to reevaluate the stretch goals and see if uh, if it, it, it's probably going to have to be packs next year if we are going to hit that, that tier. <laughs> we'll still be, we'll I mean, still be here. We'll hold our own party. Time, so. We just won't be uh, inviting Advertising everybody. Yeah. <laughs> slightly lower budget. Yeah. <laughs> pay, pay for your own drinks. Kind of party. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are also part of the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. Uh, there are another group of like-minded individuals that sort of get together, help promote each other's podcasts, and just generally want to see more gaming podcasts out there. So if you can check out at AGP Network on Twitter or the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook. And finally, we'd like to thank Kuradust for the song Mount Defines off of the album Containment Failure. That's it. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I am Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. I'm John O'Peck. And, uh, yeah, that's... uh, I can't remember any of the games we did. (laughs) (laughs) 